0: I had to get up here with, like, an air guitar. <laughs> Start doing my. <laughs> 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 I think I can do all that. I really can't, though. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's right. I'm a fantastic musician. Yes. I keep, I keep thinking. I know that one hasn't come true yet, but we'll see. Right? Amen. Let's take our word and lift it up. Give these guys a hand. Amen. That's good stuff. They're here all the time doing stuff, and... It's great to have a wonderful team. Let's make our confession together. We say that the Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You may be seated. We won't add anything to it today. If you're just joining us, haven't been here in a couple weeks, we've been talking about affairs of the heart. And uh, over the last couple weeks, we've talked about being ruled by the heart. That was the first one. The idea was that that all the things, all the things that come out of us, the things that we think, the things that we do, the things that, that we say, all of those things come out of our heart, that somewhere we have packed whatever that is on the inside, and that we want to continue to say that, you know what, that, I don't know who that was, that wasn't me, and, you know, and hopefully you, know, you don't have to go home and apologize for all the things that, that God has been dealing with you in your life over the last couple of weeks, you don't have to do that anymore, because they're not there. That the hurts of this world and the cares and the things that come against us, they lodge in our heart. We don't allow them to pass through us. And Jesus said that we are defiled from within. We're defiled from the heart. It's not what goes in the mouth, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles man. And in Proverbs 434, 4.23, in the New Living or the NIV, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it keep your heart in the new King James with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And that if you don't take care of those things as they come, we all face situations. We all face stuff that comes against us from the time we're small until the age we are today. There aren't very many days that go by that we're not either attacked by something or something, somebody's come against us or some situation or thing has hurt us or something that we've seen on the news. You, you, can, you can get hurt by the things that are going on in Washington as you begin to take those things personally and not allow God to deal with them in your life. We need we need to take the truth personally. We need to take what's going on in this country personally. We need to take our part and our responsibility. What God would have us to do and the role He would have us to play in this earth. But, but beyond that, when you take that care, then you begin to meditate it, and then all of a sudden, anger begins to grow in your heart, and now you're so upset and angry at the president or Congress or somebody else. You're so upset at the Senate or the judiciary group or whoever that might be. All of a sudden, man, you, know, you just... Now, it's, it's not that righteous anger that leads towards, you know, Good, this is the part that just begins to bear you down, bring you down. Then all of a sudden, people don't want to be around you anymore. You think, well, why wouldn't somebody want to be around you? Because that anger on the inside of you, for whatever situation it was, whether it was that or something that happened to you or something somebody did to you or your boss who fired you or whatever that might be, because of that anger that's on the inside of you, you're not pleasant to be around anymore. Anger isolates you, but it's not usually isolated when it comes out. It's kind of an equal opportunity slayer. Most of the time, it's not usually, your anger is not usually aimed at the thing or the person you're angry at. I guess unless you hit your thumb with a, you know, a hammer, and then you take your hammer and smash it against the wall, I guess that you are taking your anger out. <laughs> then you've got to fix the wall. So that's another issue, but... Um, you have to be careful. The answer, like we talked about last week, we talked about guilt, we talked about forgiveness. And the answer for both of those situations is forgiveness. Sorry, we talked about anger and guilt, right? And the answer is forgiveness. That you have to either forgive you, forgive somebody else, or you have to ask forgiveness. Guilt says guilt says, "I owe you, so that debt has to be paid somehow. And that payment is made through, through just an absolute wiping clean of the slate or through forgiveness. And how could I have you forgive me if I don't ask you for your forgiveness? Anger says, you owe me. And now I'm upset with you. And the only way that could be taken care of is to have that debt paid or wiped out. And here's the beauty of anger. I'm the one who gets to forgive I'm the one, if you've hurt me, and I think that you owe me something, and there, there's a debt-debtor relationship here, and I feel like you owe me something because you took something from me, or you stole something from whatever that is, I, I can forgive you of that, and release and clear the debt. And that sets me free. We think it's like giving the enemy a bonus. We feel like, no way, I'm letting the guy off the hook. No, what you're really doing is freeing yourself to be blessed. Because you can't walk in anger, you can't walk in offense. And many times, that frees the other person too. Not always are they carrying that load, but many times they're carrying that load too. That's why your relationship's so jacked up. They're guilty because they hurt you. You're angry because they hurt you. They feel like they owe you, and you feel like they owe you. So why don't they just pay up and get it over with? (laughs) That doesn't work that way. (laughs) It says in the Word of God that we're supposed to forgive them just as Jesus forgave us of all the things that we had done. And so those are the things that we talked about over the last couple of weeks. And we, we talked about the fact that, that anger and, and guilt and these heart issues are like cancer. And that if we don't deal with them, eventually they will, they will destroy your relationships. They'll destroy your, your life. They'll, they'll wreck who you are and they'll wreck your future. You know people who have carried these things for all of these years. Maybe you've gone to them and said, look, man, you need to get this thing straight. You need to get this fixed. You've prayed and God's put you in their life, but they just, they just continue to go at it. And they continue to say, I'm, I'm all right. That stuff barely comes up. Well, it, the, the fact that it barely comes up says it's not all right. And that the sophisticated filters that we build and the fact that we can take care of our behavior, that we can manage our language, that we can manage the way that we act in certain situations, we stay away from Uncle Joe's because when we're there, we just can't help ourselves. Well, we've got a problem with something at Uncle Joe's that we need to figure out. We can't allow those things to happen in our life. They're like cancer in your heart. And when people get cancer, the question isn't, well, how did I get it? Most of the time, when they first hear that they have cancer, their question is, what do we do to get rid of it? How do we get this thing out of our life? And with anger and guilt, the way we get it out of our life is through forgiveness. Walking totally in forgiveness, just as Jesus did. Paul said, you know, in Ephesians, and we looked at that in chapter 4. You know, basically it was, walk in forgiveness, even as he has forgiven us. In the first few verses that we looked at, it it was, don't be angry. In the last few verses... Verses 31 and 32, it said, Hey, let's forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. And if we'll walk that way, if we'll walk in forgiveness toward everybody, all the situations, all the. Nobody is special so that you can hold unforgiveness against them. Nobody has done something to you that's so great that you can hold unforgiveness toward them. Nobody has taken something from you that was so dear that you can hold unforgiveness against them. You have not done something in your life so bad that you can have unforgiveness of yourself. That's guilt. Forgive yourself. It says that as we confess our sins, as we bring them to him, and we talked about the difference between just confession and repentance, and that repentance has that second part of changing and going a different direction. We said as we come to him and do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Like they never happened. How far is the east from the west? You know, that's a new song that's out right now. You know, how far the east is from the west. And, and talking about this very issue of like, I've asked forgiveness, but I still feel bad about myself. And it says in the word that he takes our sin and he separates it from us. How far is east from the west? The question is, I, I still, it still bothers me. It still, no, the enemy still comes against you with that thing. Have you changed your ways and gone a different direction? He's forgiven you. And how far is the east from the west? About this far. As he laid on the cross and was nailed to the cross. This doesn't look like very far, but this looks like real far. He took it for you. He was buried with it, and then he rose again, and he left it where it was. And in our life, with these hard issues and with these hard attitudes and these things that are going on, we have to get ourselves clean so that our relationships can be okay. And I've been praying and been just really been going over different things in my life, and we have always been a family church around here. We minister to the whole family. We, t- we, we take care of, the, uh, of you. We take care of, of the youth. We take care of all the ones who are, you know, in teenage years and all of that. We take care of the children. We take care of the little kids. We take care of the babies. We take care of everybody, not just babysitting, but instructing and in teaching the Word and talking about salvation, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the power of God, talking about the love of God. Those are the things that are being taught from the, from the end of this place to the end of that side all the time ministering to that why because families have to be healthy families have to be healthy and when my sister you know she teaches elementary school and every now and then she'll want to tell me a story about a kid and something that's going on and it it just it it, even when i taught i mean i I just i just had to tell her don't don't tell me i don't want to know kids third grade the kids fourth grade second grade I, i i i just i can't i can't take that all the bad things that are happening at least the ones that i taught when i was teaching high school at least they could fend for themselves you know for the most part they they could they could at least kind of ha- half make their way now it doesn't make it better but it made it easier to kind of kind of hear the situation but happy homes are important and relationships are jacked up all over the place all over the place in the world and in the church there are people who are here today, your lives, your relationships, whether it be with your mate, whether it be with your husband or wife, whether it be with your brothers and sisters, or whether it be with your children. Maybe it's a situation, you know, with, with somebody else, but it's a relation. relationships are messed up all over the place because people have these heart issues that are fouling who they are. Not recognizing it many times, just kind of going through life, trying to figure it out, and why isn't this working? And why do I blow up here? And why does this come out here? And why do I not like this person here? And, and it really, the word of God is clear to us. It says, walk in love. But then we go back to our history. We go back to our story. And we said that your past might explain your, your behavior, but it doesn't excuse it. And so you need to get, if you can say this, past the past. And if we can get past the past, if we can move through these hard attitudes and issues, then when we start talking about relationships in the next couple weeks, then those things, that'll be great because we don't have to get rid of stuff. We get to gain stuff. So now we're laying aside all the baggage. We're getting rid of all the weights. We're taking care of all the hard issues so that now we can begin to build our relationship. You say, well, I have a good relationship with my wife. Great. It'll be better. I have a great relationship with my kids. Great. It will only be better as we begin to go through October and into November as we go. Today, we're going to deal with and talk with this. We're going to talk about dealing with jealousy and the power of satisfaction. And you may be here today and say, well, that's awesome. I'm not jealous. Well, let's wait and see. Hold on. I haven't asked all my questions yet. I didn't think I was either. But apparently... Now, here's the thing with, je- with jealousy. Jealousy is evil. And, and je- jealousy, jealousy is very delicate, and it moves, and it works its way. And, and I think many times we're, we're jealous, but we mask it with something else. We're jealous, but we don't want to admit that. We think that's something that kids are. You know, kids are jealous. Many times we think of jealousy because we had girlfriends and boyfriends who didn't like us and flirted with somebody else, and it made us upset. And then what were we? We were jealous because they were showing affection to somebody else, and it was the affection that what? I wish I had. See, that's what jealousy is about. Jealousy is about the idea that someone else has something that you think or wish you would have. See, I should have that. And you think, well, that's, that's, that's for kids. Well, it's not for kids. Adults are like this. But it is childish. And it is something that we need to get past and move past. And here's the question that I would ask you here in the beginning. Do you secretly get satisfied? Do you secretly have some sort of satisfaction in your heart when that person has some trouble or failure or problems? Do you secretly go, uh-huh, they got theirs? That's jealousy. And you're all cringing. There's not a, there's not a hanky wave on that one. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's a brick throwing at me. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> but, the, but see, that, that, I, that, we don't notice that we're jealous, but many times that rears its head, like if something happens to your sister-in-law who used to wear those size 4 jeans. And just looked lovely in them. And you couldn't wear them, so you were just hot. And then one day she had a baby and then couldn't lose that 20 pounds. And you said, "Uh uh-huh, welcome to the rest of the world. Okay, that's jealousy. It is. You know, when you look down and that that neighbor has all the stuff and all the cool things, and you know they're indebted to their eyeballs, and then all of a sudden they end up claiming bankruptcy and they lose all their stuff, and you go, uh-huh, should have been living better. That's jealousy. See, somewhere along the way, you want what they have. And if they gave you what they have, that wouldn't fix you. Because you'd want more. <laughs> that's kind of the way we are. That's greed. That's next week. Please come. <laughs> and I promise we'll stop. <laughs> greed will be it. We'll finish next week, and then that'll be it. <laughs> but jealousy's been around forever. It's, it's not something that's new. Lucifer, right? Right? He was an angel, but he got jealous and he wanted some of the the adoration. He wanted some of that praise. He wanted some of that worship. He wanted some of that. And that jealousy cost him his position, cost him his place in heaven. He didn't start as the devil. He didn't start as the enemy. He started as part of the team, but he got jealous. And if you're jealous of your brother, if you're jealous of your boss, or you're jealous of your neighbor, you're jealous of your sister or your aunt, if you're jealous of somebody because their kids are fantastic and yours are just a little bit rough, be careful, because that jealousy will cost you. That jealousy will, could, could cost you your life. You have to be careful. Cain and Abel in Genesis in chapter 4. And look at this, because this is important, and this gets to the premise today, and this is where it really hurts, so I haven't hurt you yet. <laughs> this is where it starts to be a little unbelievable, and I start thinking, well, this can't be. I'm too good a guy for that. It says in, in chapter, it's chapter 4, and it's, 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 it's verse 3. And in, time, in, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the, to the, of his fruit to the Lord. Also, Abel brought his, the firstborn of the flock. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. But Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And now these are two guys, they're brothers, And they brought their offering to the Lord, and and, and God respected Abel's offering, and he said, thank you, that was awesome, you know, I appreciate that. But Cain brought his, and God didn't didn't accept it that way. And Cain got upset. Now here, you have to see, as you read this passage, who his problem's with, but who he takes it out on. And as you go back through here and you read, it says, he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. But verse 6 says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. He's telling him something's not right with what he did. Either his heart attitude wasn't right when he came and brought his sacrifice, something was wrong with the sacrifice, whatever that might be, God was telling him, there's something wrong in your life and you need to fix it. We said guilt is conviction gone bad in our lives last week. And right now he's being convicted, so now he has to decide what he's going to do. You know what he did? He got jealous because his brother was accepted and his wasn't. Abel's offering was accepted, his offering wasn't, so he got jealous of Abel. And if you read the next verse, it said, Now Cain talked with Abel and his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and he killed him. He committed murder. Well, I wouldn't do that. Well, jealousy hadn't gotten that far then. Most murders are because somebody wanted something from somebody else, they wanted their money, they wanted their car. See, they wanted something that somebody else had and that jealousy on on the inside of them was so great that they killed for it. Or they beat somebody for it. What we do is we just verbally abuse somebody for it. Behind their back. Where it's safe. And nobody knows. Joseph and his brothers, his brothers, it said in verse 11 of uh, Genesis 37, it says, his brothers envied him. Who was their problem with? God. Who gave Joseph the dream? God did. Don't take it out on Joseph. Don't be jealous of Joseph of something that God gave him. Just realize and where we are and talking about the power of satisfaction, God will give you abundant life. He will give you the gifts that you deserve. He will give you the things that you have believed for. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you according to his will in your life. But because you like it in somebody else's, you begin to get jealous because you want that thing. What we're saying is, God, what you have given me isn't enough. And here's, here's, this gets a little bit harsh. What we're actually saying is, I can't be happy or satisfied because you've got something that I want, and you can fix that for me. That's not true. Only God can fix that for you. God is the one who is your satisfaction, not somebody else. And Joseph's brothers should have been upset with God if they wanted to be upset with anybody. Cain should have been upset with God because he's the one who rejected the sacrifice, not upset with his brother because his got re- received. And in our lives, see, we get this all mixed up and messed up. Jealousy is the feeling of resentment because of another's success or advantage or thin waistline or fine hairline, whatever, <laughs> whatever that might be. I was at a funeral this week with Jerry, Jerry Nichols, and we were sitting there, and there must have been like 100 bald people in the room. And Jerry and I were sitting there, and Jerry leaned over to me and said, hey, Pastor John, we better get out of here. I said, oh, really, what's the matter? He said, we may go bald. (laughs) I looked around. I was like, wow, there are bald people everywhere in here. (laughs) Bald's beautiful. If I had a round head, I would probably do that too. But in James chapter 3, this talks about the destructive force of jealousy and, and how important it is to stay away from it. And you're already starting to justify your thoughts. I mean, you're already starting to think like, okay, that isn't me. I don't think that way, you know. We already are starting to justify what we've already been convicted of. So we'll deal with the conviction later, or else it'll turn to guilt. And then you'll be guilty and jealous, and it'll be awful. Because you'll probably get angry. But James in chapter 3. Next week's greed, we're done. In James in chapter 3, it talks about really how evil jealousy is, how evil envy is in our life. And if you read through there, and it says in verse 14, but if you have bitter envy or bitter jealousy in the new living, it says, and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, it's sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there that's not good turn to galatians in chapter 5 in verse 19 it says now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery fornication uncleanliness lewdness idolatry sorcery hatred contentions well so far we're good jealousies it says that's a work of the flesh jealousies outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions dissensions and heresies if you go down to verse 25 it says if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit let us not be conceited provoking one another and then what envying one another at the end all of those things that it said it said let us walk in the spirit but let us not be conceited provoking one another envying one another you have to be careful god is your source God is your provider. God, we say, is no respecter of persons, and he will bless you. But many times what happens is, I think that's my answer. And God's saying, hold on a minute, that's not your answer. And I, I have learned to become more of an encourager. I try not to look at what other people have. I try not to look at what other people get or do or i try not to do that it took me forever to buy an ipad and god told me to buy an ipad because everybody was buying one and i didn't want to seem like i really wanted one because everybody else had one so finally in a meeting with dan he said yeah i'm gonna i need i'm gonna get some money i'm gonna get an iPod, an ipad from my from my father-in-law and i said that's it i'll get one and i wasn't talking to him i was talking to god but you know what i didn't want to do is i didn't want to be like the guy who was just jealous because everybody had one and said oh i gotta go get one because everybody has one so I was trying to stay on the other side of that. We deal with it all the time. We just keep it all under covers. We just keep it all under wraps. See, we say we say things that I call negative positive comments. We say we say stuff like she's too thin. Well, we're commenting you know, we're complimenting because she's thin, but we're saying she's too thin. Well, I'm jealous because she's thinner than me. Or he's too rich. Well, I'm just upset because he has money. I'm not complimenting him because he's rich. That's not a real compliment. There's a negative barb to that. There's a jealous side to that. Critical people are like that. Critical people are jealous people. If you deal with a critical spirit, if you deal with, with, with being critical in different areas about people or things, you've got to be careful because that's really, truly jealousy at the root. When you say things like, well, if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't do that. That's a problem. That's a critical spirit, but it also lies behind jealousy. See, we're covered up jealousy with critical. That is, that's not good anyway. But we, we make we think it's okay because we're saying, well, if I had that, I would do something else with it. I would do good. Well, you're just upset because you don't have that. So why don't you just praise them, pray for them and encourage them in what they do have? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's, that's part of being satisfied. There's an answer to this when, when we get down to the end. And the answer, really, truly, we, we, we don't always like it, but it's going to be to be the greatest cheerleader that that person ever met. To the, be the greatest encourager on this planet. You can encourage and you can cheerlead and you can exhort people when you're satisfied with yourself. When you know that God's taking care of you, you don't have to worry about all those other issues. Then you can truly be happy for them. And then when something happens in their life, you can truly be compassionate for them, not secretly happy. It's very quiet today. jealousy is really resentment because somebody has something that you want and with resentment it it can only be taken care of by justification and here's the thing and this is why it's a little bit messed up jealousy it's resentment and that resentment has to be justified but you can't justify it for me jealousy in the debt debtor relationship says really truly god owes me but i'm sure not going to take it out on him because he's good I'm not going to take it out on him. I'm mad at you because you have a new car, but I don't have a new car. I'm upset and I'm jealous because I'd really like to have that. Now, there's something about having a desire, yes, but I'm talking about that thing that pushes you over the edge a little bit that if they wreck their new car, you'd be going like, yeah. Just on the inside. You know, you don't take out an ad and tell everybody, but, you know, it's just on the inside. But see, our real problem, see, is with, with, should be with God. It says, he owes me. I'm not upset because you have that. I'm upset because I don't. See, I'm not really upset because you can fit in the size four jeans. I'm upset because I can't. <laughs> I'm good for you. See, this is where you need to get. Be satisfied with who you are. Deal with the sin in your life, <laughs> gluttony or whatever that is, and get rid of that thing. And then allow, see, then, then, you, then you could say, good for you, sister. You look good. When I would go to my brother's house in Oklahoma when, I, when we lived in Texas, it's real easy to, to have to fight this because he lives in this gigantic home with a pool in the backyard, and he works about two hours a day. It's true. It's true. He wakes up, goes to the gym, comes home, puts on his outfit, sits around for a while watching Sports Center or whatever he does, then he goes on a lunch and comes home and it's like, poof, we've got to get the kids from school. That's what you did? All day? He works harder than that, but not much. But it's easy to come home then and have those thoughts. Like, man, I could I could do that. Why don't I do that? I even called him a couple times, you know, years ago, and said, "Hey, what does it take to be what you are?" Why? Because I wanted his stuff. I wasn't interested in being what he was. I just wanted his stuff. I wanted to work two hours a day. Now I got a job I only work two hours a week. It's good stuff. Sundays. That's all you got. What five hours on Sundays? Wednesday night service. There's a whole lot more to it than that. These bags aren't because I've been hanging out asleep at the pool. But anyway. <laughs> See, I wanted his stuff. And then all of a sudden, now he can't justify that. He can't fix that. And here's the issue. God already did. In Romans in chapter 5, it says that Jesus justified it for us. He took care of it for us. Much more than, verse 9, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. In verse 8 if or chapter 8 if you go to verse 30 it says moreover him, whom he predestined these he also called whom he called these he also justified he has justified he'd already paid the price he's already taken care of it and it says that he has given us everything if we truly believe that he knows where we are, if we truly believe that he, he knows exactly who we are, if we truly believe that he knows what we can handle, even though we think we can handle more, if we truly believe that he is supreme and that he has a destiny set out for us tomorrow and next week and next year, if we truly believe that all of those things are going to be taken care of by him, if we truly live not worried about tomorrow and what we don't have today, but truly lives diligently seeking him and his righteousness, all of those things will take care of itself. If we truly feel that way, then we will be the greatest encouragers in this world and not somebody who walks and harbors jealousy in our hearts but i really want that well then if that's what god has for you he'll give that to you but i don't like where i am today well you better learn to like where you are today because that's where he planted you bloom where you're planted and then your fruit will feed those others you have fruit of righteousness hanging off your tree that will take care of people that's what we're here for let me father in my life let let it be let you be glorified in me you can't do that being jealous. You can't do that worrying about somebody else. You can't do that thinking about how many people are wrong. Jealousy just says, look, I can't be happy unless you, you intervene in my life. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't have any. Steve, I like Steve. He's a nice guy. But really, should I trust him to make me happy? Should I trust him? Who gave me his joy? Jesus did. In whose presence is fullness of joy? God's presence, not Steve's. Although it's a nice time. You can sit with Steve, have coffee, and talk and chat. It's great. But you can't get that self worth from him. You can't get that joy from him. He could give me his car, give me what's in his wallet, or whatever that is. That ain't going to do it. I have satisfaction issues in my own life, I have desire issues in my own life, and they're with God, not him. Not good to hear, because I don't think that I'm in trouble with God. I don't think I'm against Him. But if you're jealous, if you have those thoughts in your heart, if you have those things that you're thinking in your mind, those are jealous thoughts, and those things really, truly say that God owes you. And really, truly, when we think about it, does He? No. So I've got a satisfaction issue. I've got a problem. And this happens all the time. Here's an example. I've always wanted to be six foot two. Okay? I'm fi- I'm, I call myself five five, ten and three quarters, then it was five, ten and a half, and now I'm somewhere five nines. I don't know what's happened to me. I think I've shrunk and it's all come out the side. So if I push this up, I think I'll go a little taller. I'm hoping. I mean, I used to hang on things, I mean, I wanted to be tall. You know, there were some tall kids in my class, and I mean I just envied them because they were tall. I wanted to be tall. And so I started getting nasty because I wasn't tall. Now, is my problem with the kid at school that's 6'5 and he's tall? I'm like, man, I hate you because you're tall. Well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That is childish. But in your heart, when you're when you're concerned about not being 6'2 or 6'3 or whatever that is, see what you're doing is saying, God, you didn't make me tall enough. But we would never say that to him, so I say to you, I don't like you because you're tall. Well, that's dumber than saying to God, you didn't make me tall enough. I mean, it just gets, it gets more and more out of the line, let's go. So in my life then, should, should I be upset the rest of my life at tall people? Because I'm not tall and I, want, I wanted to be tall. I would have been a better basketball player if I was tall. I would have been a better golfer if I was tall. God, why didn't you make me taller? I need to be tall. So then a tall guy comes by and I've just got this little animosity in my heart because he's tall. You know what I do now? I jump up and hug tall people. I, I hug Lance all the time. He's a tall guy, man. I climb up on him and hug him. God bless you, you're tall. You know, when I see Pete, I'm like, God, I just love your tallness. And I'm trying to get up here on it. Celebrate somebody's tallness. Don't worry about being small. Amen, brother, right? Hey, praise God, right there's my man. Yeah. You celebrate the tall in them. Celebrate the thing you're not. See, if you can celebrate the thing you're not in somebody, then that takes away the jealousy. It has no way to take root. You're not upset. It isn't fair. Life isn't fair. It's not fair that I'm not 6'2". It's just not fair. Right. And neither is life. Is life fair? No. No then why do we spend our whole lives trying to make it fair for our kids? For the four of you that come back next week, it's going to be a good conclusion. But we wonder why people have an issue with life being fair. See, it's not fair that they have that. It's not fair that they get to do that. It's not fair that they get to go there. Life isn't fair, but I've spent my whole life making sure that things are fair for my kids instead of teaching them that life, they do the right thing, not the fair thing. Fair is the enemy of right. Fair ended at the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world. And then from then, God has doled out and God has given. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, it gives to those as He what? wills. It ain't fair. Not everybody gets to prophesy. Not everybody gets to, to operate in the word of wisdom. Man, I want to be the word of wisdom guy. I'm not doing anything because I'm not the word of wisdom guy. God, I need to be the word of wisdom guy. It's not fair. Well, no, it's not fair. It said he gives as he wills. He gives as you can handle it. He gives as the situation dictates. He gives as he wills. Get over it. I mean, that's true. If you look in Matthew chapter 20, wow, I can't even get halfway through any of this. So maybe three more weeks. (laughs) It's amazing. In Matthew chapter 20, I think because it has, (laughs) I just get, I get so convicted and have to really pray for about five days. So when I get up here, I'm thinking, man, you all got to get in on this. It's the story, it's the story of the workers. And we're going to read this, but I, I won't, obviously I have time to read this, but here, here's, what it, here's what the story does, and here's how it goes. He goes to somebody in the first hour of the day, and he, and he says to this guy, he says, I want to hire you today, and I'll pay you a denarii, and he says, great, man, good, I'll do it, and he gets in line, and he goes to work, and then throughout the day, the master goes out and hires different people at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and then eventually at the eleventh hour, like the hour before they're almost done, he... He brings somebody in. And he puts them all, you know, they're all working and doing their thing. And then when they're finished, it goes down and it says, but when the first came, or oh sorry, it says, and when the, when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarii. The man paid them a denarii, the eleventh hour people. Now what did the first people, what did they what did they sign up for? They just signed up for a denarii. For for their day's work, they were going to get a denarii. But then this eleventh hour guy comes in, and you know, we're already upset, at this guy, aren't we? We have to really check ourselves. Because we know it's not what? It's not fair. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Anyway. Now, the people who saw that, what did they do? The people have been working all day, what did they say? Holy cow, they gave that guy one. We've worked a lot more. We're going to get more. So all of a sudden, they began, but see, what was their deal? See, what was their, what was, where should their satisfaction have been with the one? Because that's, in the end, really, truly, if he wouldn't have hired anybody else, they would have been very excited to get the what? The one. But because somebody else got that for working less than them, in their heart they became jealous. Because in the end, God gave them one too, the master. It says, and when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. They said, these men had worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who had borne the burden and the heat all day. But he answered one of them, and he said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. He is doing you no wrong that you can't fit in those size four jeans. He's not doing you any wrong. It says, did you not agree with me for the denarii? Take what is yours and go away. Wish to give to the, if I wish to give to the last man the same as the first, what is it with you? Is it lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? In the New Living Testament, it says, should you be jealous because I am good? Well, no, you shouldn't be jealous because God is good. Ministers go through this all the time. Bigger churches, smaller churches want to do this, want to do that. Somebody else does it. Somebody else preaches it. That bothers pastors too. Pastors have to fight against this as much as everybody else in the world. Because there is somebody else doing something that I think should work here. Or something else going on over there that I felt like God told me to do. And if you're not careful, that will keep you from ever becoming who you're supposed to be. And it's jealousy. For a long time. I mean, that was, that was my life. I saw all these people do all these things. Now, you know what I do? I celebrate Caleb Worley all the time. I pat him on the back. I call him. I tell him he's doing a great job. I ask him what he, what he needs help with. Why? Because that's an area where I think, you know what? There's an opportunity to be jealous there. He travels all over the place preaching and doing things and going all over. The, I love being with you guys and being here. as the. I mean, that's, that's part of my deal. But, but he travels every month going out there and doing his thing. And I mean, that part of that like, sounds good to somebody who's sitting in that desk every week. But you know what I choose to do instead? I choose to pray for him. I choose to celebrate him. I choose to encourage him. I choose to tell him he's doing a great job. And I say, hey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help grow what you're doing? How can we be a part of what you're doing? Can we partner with you? Can we send you some cash? What can we do? You're a great man. You're doing a great job. Why? Because there's an opportunity there, there's a chance that it could go one way or the other. And I have chosen, you know what? I'm satisfied with what God's told me to do right here. And really truly I don't have a great desire to go travel and do things mission wise anyway anymore. I used two years ago, but I don't. But when I see that, I just think, man, I want to celebrate it. Why? Because he's tall, kind you know what I mean. <laughs> Hug the tall in people. You're the problem, not somebody else. You're the problem, not your sister in law. You're the problem, not your brother. And your problem isn't with them, it's with God. Look in James real quick and then we'll finish up. James chapter 4. She'll put it up there in the New King James, but I'll read it out of the New Living. It's basically the same. but It, it says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? See, jealousy is the driving force behind your relationship problem. Why do you fight? Why do you allow those petty things to control you? Why does it bother you that somebody else can wear those jeans and you can't? Why does it bother you that somebody else can shop at that store but you're not able to? See, why does it bother you that somebody else's kids are doing this and yours aren't? See, we spend so much of our life trying to worried about what other people are doing and what's going on around all those other areas and all those other things. We neglect what we're really called to do. Be you. Raise your children to be them. And when things go wrong, seek God. Don't get jealous and upset with somebody else. And I think many times we begin to do that, secretly in our heart. It says here, where do the wars and the fights come from? Where do those things happen? They happen because there's desires at war within you. You want, verse 2 says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. We have no problem living a life full of debt to have natural things that we want. We have no problem signing on the bottom line and running our credit cards up to get the things that we think we desire or what we deserve. Yet when the plate comes by, we think, you know what, I really probably can't afford to do that. Well, what Pastor Pam said, where are you investing your life? If you invest in the kingdom of God with your life, not a financial issue, but if you invest in the kingdom of God with your life, there's not going to be any debt. None. I'm just here to just shine the light, right? Like we talked about last, just shine the light. If there's an issue in your heart in this area, that's between you and God. But I will tell you, you've got to recognize it. You have to. You have to recognize it. You have to make amends. You've got to say, God, I am sorry. I'm not upset with that person. I release them. I'm not upset with you. I'm upset. I'm not upset with Brad. I'm upset with you, and I am Sorry. How I have just been stupid? It says right there, you desire things you don't have. And that desire of things you don't have keeps you many times from having it. In the way that God wants you to have it. It goes on. And it says, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it from them. You get what you don't want, or sorry, you, you <laughs> yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. It's very clear in the word of God. It's very clear. There's a code here. It says in Matthew, she put the scripture on the thing right there. It's Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. She had it up there at the offering. My eyeballs fell out of my head. It's in my message. The reason is, because God gives good gifts to his children, don't get upset because it's not the gift your brother got. Be happy that you got a gift. I'm telling you we're sending gifts to these kids in the Sudan. They're going to be happy if they open that thing up and there's something inside. Why? Because they're not looking at what somebody else has. They don't have anything else. I've been saying for a long time that life they've got over there it isn't so bad. We spend a lot of our life worried about what other people have. we worried about jealousy, and what other people drive, what other people go to shop, and what other people do, and what other people, well, well. It says right there, you have not because you ask not, and you, listen to this, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it on your pleasures. God knows your heart, you can pretend. We can pretend before God. We can tell him, if I win the lottery, I'm gonna give it all to the church. Scratch all day long Pick your favorite numbers Whatever you want to do You're probably not going to win the lottery Although we have had that happen Somebody did win some money And bought you a couple suits Or something along the way So that was good I think that all the You don't think I'm thinking Man if I just won that 150 million dollar lottery Boy we wouldn't have any problems around here We wouldn't have any issues Boy we'd have big things We'd have stuff But God knows I'd probably be in Bermuda on the beach Really? I mean, if you're honest, you know, I'd be doing this thing satellite. You'd have a video screen of me up here. I'd be calling in for a half hour on Mondays before my Boca tournament or whatever I'm doing. God knows your heart. But it says to that you, would, you would, that's what it says you would do. In 1 John, it says that if you ask according to what? His will for your life. Then you know that he heard you then you know that you have the petitions of the things that you have asked then it makes a difference now see i'm flowing in what he has for me abundant life isn't what he has abundant life is what god has for me and what i do i was going to do this little demonstration we don't have time there was a guy i heard who did this and he said uh it was awesome he said we're going to give away some video ipods today so he had somebody get three volunteers real quick and he said, I got some gifts I wanna give you. He said, I just wanna give a couple gifts today. Now God gives gifts and he gives liberally without reproach. And these three people came up and he gave the first guy, this first girl a gift and he gave the second girl a gift and this third guy said, ah, hold on a second. So he told the first girl, open up, oh, what'd you get? She opened up her gift and it was a video iPod. And Everybody went, oh, dude's giving away iPods. You can't go to that church, it's in Atlanta. But then the next one, the next one opened it up, and it was a $100 gift certificate to Apple. Oh, wow. And the third guy goes, oh, here, sorry, I forgot to give you a gift. And he gives him a gift, and he opens it up, and it's an Apple. <laughs> like a real Apple. And everybody immediately went like, oh. He didn't have an Apple when he went up there. Why was he just, why, why did he have an opportunity to be disheartened? Because somebody else got an iPod. But that guy felt to give him an Apple. And then my thought was this, oh, when they go off stage, he'll give everybody, a, you know, an iPod just to make it what? Fair. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Ooh, that's <laughs> okay. Because it isn't fair. If he has a problem, his problem isn't with the girl with the iPod. His problem is with me because I gave him the apple. If God gave you an apple, love your apple. Eat it. You know what's inside of an apple? Seeds. Plant them. See, that iPod will die one day, but that apple could live forever because the seeds will go on and replicate. He didn't say that. I did. It was me. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's true. God is good, man. Thank you. He just talks to me all the time when I'm up here just preaching. Real quick, and then we'll finish. I know I said that before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here's the answer. First of all, you've got to be satisfied with who God created you to be. Can't be looking at your brother, can't be looking at your sister. And when we were at that funeral for Chuck Lohman this week, Bob Lohman, his brother, stood up. And he began to read something that was, that was simple, yet very eloquent. And I found myself, after a, a couple, couple sentences or paragraphs of what he said, like on the inside of me, I was, part of me was like, wow, this is harsh. But the other part of me was like, oh, this is going someplace good. And he began to tell everybody, you know, life's not fair. And he began to say... My brother Chuck struggled in life. He said, I was the good son. Chuck wasn't. He said, I was the smart son. I was the athletic son. I was the one who got all the accolades. He said, I was the one who got married and could provide for my family. We had a home and we had all these things. I was the one who was able to do all of this good in the life of my children and, and had a great life with my friends and, and there was an established relationship. He began to talk about all the good. This is who I, this is who I was. His like life went fair. But then when he got down to it, he, went to, he turned around at the very end and he said, but I'll tell you this. My brother was out helping the homeless. And my brother, even with his coffee in his hand, doing whatever he was doing, was in church, bringing people with him. My brother was out there befriending what, what Bob said my brother was out there befriending my children taking care of my grandchildren my brother was pouring his life out for all the people who were around and when he got done, got to the end he, you know, the, the end of the story was he said really truly I know my brother wanted to be a lot like me that was always his desire he always had this idea that if he could just be like me in some area or some way but he said really truly you know what really is the truth I wish I was more like him I wish I was more like him in your life, don't look what others have. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous, love is not boastful. It's not proud, it's not rude, it does not demand its own way, it's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice without injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, love never loses. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures right through the end of every circumstance. You walk in love, you will not have to worry about jealousy. You want to be free from jealousy today? Celebrate others. Stand up with me today. Is it that guy, the sister, the coworker? Be their biggest fan. Be their cheerleader. Be their encourager. If they got a new car, tell them it's the greatest car you ever saw. You say, well, what if I don't mean that? Then there's not a problem with jealousy. You say, well, that's not very sincere because I don't, I don't feel like it is. Then you don't want it, so there's no jealousy there. Oh, well, maybe I kind of do. I just don't want to tell them that. Hmm, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're keeping yourself in a place. Be an encourager. Be a cheerleader. Be an exhorter of those people in your life because really, truly what that does is it, it proves that you're satisfied with who you are. If you could be satisfied with who you are, you won't have a problem. Walk in love. His love satisfies us every day. The Rolling Stones, you know, they might be right. You can't always get what you want. No, they were wrong, because they also wrote, you can't get no satisfaction, and you can. (laughs) Jesus, just bow your heads with me today. Let's pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today.